everybody and welcome to another episode of Addicted to Anime. I am Stephen Wago. And I'm John Wago. Here on Mega Powers Radio and we are ready to talk about some Elfin Lead, some Attack on Titan dub casting, and our top five most badass women in anime. So, if you guys want to join in on the conversation, the number to call is 713-955-0363. And we're going to be here for the next hour or so talking about what's up with Elfin Lead and... Various other topics. Um, we're brought to you by uh, PastelBumBum.com. They're our good friends. Where they pretty much make the most cutest shit that you can find on the internet. <laughs> and it's your one-stop shop for everything kawaii. All items are 100% cute and original. And our good friend Anna is in charge of that shop. And we can attest from personal experience that they're good. So, moving on. We're going to jump right into it with our top five most badass anime women and we were just thinking with Elfin Lead there's some badass people in that and we should really try and think of some yeah we always try to make it sync up with the anime we're reviewing so we decided today to go with the most badass women so first off I'm gonna start off with one that's probably the most obvious given recent anime and really has captured the hearts of many and that's Mikasa Aikerman and that's from Attack on Titan, and if you've not seen that anime yet, you need to jump on it. It's violent, it's good storytelling, and Mikasa is um, the only Asian in this one, which is which weird is for an funny. anime. So, And she slices and dices, and... She doesn't even bat an eye yeah, it's for fucking... half of anything. I think the only you only see her get emotional once or twice in the entire anime. She's just... Cold, calculated, and ready to go. Well, watching your parents die will do that. Yeah, I'll do it. So, Jonna, what's your number one? Or uh, whatever well, order you've put them in. Mine's in no order, but actually one of the people on my list is Mikasa Ackerman, so we might as well just agree on that one. <laughs> she, uh, She's unique. You know, you don't... As far as the show goes, you don't see other characters like her in that show. Maybe the only other person that's similar to her is Levi, but they're completely different backgrounds. But yeah, they're the only two characters in the anime that really have that appeal of absolute badass and you don't want to fuck with. Absolute badassery. Whilst yeah. we're not reviewing Attack on Titan today, we are going to touch on them when we get into their English cast that's been revealed, which is controversial for some. Some people are happy, some people are sad. But moving on, for my top five badass women, I have... And I always forget how to pronounce her last name, but it's Callan Stadfield, and that's from Code Geass. Now, in Code Geass, it's it's a mecha anime, but it's not a mecha anime. And she rides one of the most badass mechs, which is the only one, coincidentally, that you have to straddle. <laughs> yeah. Fan service. Yeah, fan service much. <laughs> and that's... Uh, is it, we, we remember the name of that fucking mech. I've totally forgot it now. Is it I have no idea. The Gurren? The Gurren, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it, that thing is balls to the walls awesome, and she has got no fear. Like, the best terrorist ever. Pretty much. So that, uh, Callum makes my list. Who you got? Uh, next on my list is Holo from Spice and Wolf. You don't see her badassery for a good chunk of season one. She's quiet and gets annoyed easily, and she doesn't usually speak much, but when she does, she has a lot to say. Half the time, it's off the wall. The other half the time, it's very wise and well said, but it probably has something to do with her being a god and all, you know, that 
Yeah, the, the old god thing does tend to... That'll, yeah. that'll yeah. do yeah. it. But yeah. she turns into one of the most badass monsters I've ever seen at the very end. Yeah, we really haven't watched the second series no, we of Spice and Wolf. We're going to do season. that and review that eventually, and I'm looking forward to that. I want to know more about Holo and see where her and uh, Lawrence... I can't remember his first name or if that is his first name. I don't but know. <laughs> it's been a while since I touched that anime. She's a bit more memorable than he is. Yeah, so it'll be interesting seeing uh, where her powers come from and how that story advances. So next for me, and... When you say Claymore, there's a few badass chicks in that, but yeah. <laughs> Claire is the main character, and she is scary. Just, what the hell is she exactly? She's like a, what do they call her, a Yoma something? Or no, half no, Yoma? she's half Yoma. Claymores are, that's what's called yeah. a Claymore. They're half Yoma, half person, which and, is basically half demon. Or and, not quite demon, it's like a monster. Witch, uh, it's a monster, like, yeah, kind of like a wolf. Either way, Silver Eyes and scary as hell, and she can rip people apart. She is very skilled in combat, and we never really got too far into the anime because Netflix took it down, but it's one of those that are on our list to dive back into, and she caught my eye because you don't get many strong female leads, and she's leading the pack as far as females that can whoop some ass goes. Yeah. Uh, next on my list is, for today, a character from Elfin Lead, Marika Kar Sorry, I am a bit tongue-twisted today. Mariko Kurama. Uh, she is, what, seven years old? <laughs> I'm not sure how old she is, but she's very young. And scary. Uh, she, out of all of the, uh... Out of all the Diclonius, she is by far the scariest of them all. Probably, maybe even more so than the main character, Lucy. There's a scene in Elfin Lead when... We can touch on it more later, but she's... When Nana, she's like... Oh, you like Nana? I'll just kill her then. See how you feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's rec she's completely reckless. Feel she has no feelings other than for one person. She just does not give a shit. And she's she very childlike. She's she is childlike, but at the same time, she's terrifying. Mm -hmm. She is the most dangerous of it's them all. Like a child ripping the legs and stuff off a bug and they don't see anything wrong with it at the time because they're just a kid yeah and she's got that whole thing down perfectly except it's actual human beings or something else that's just ripping limb from limb yeah so mariko's awesome i thought of cosplaying her for a bit mm. i don't think i could pull it off though it's hard to pull off a child yeah it really is gretchen could do it yeah <laughs> many people have no idea who gretchen is but gretchen is Half Asian, half American. Doesn't look Asian at all, but is very tiny. Half Asian, half English. Oh, yeah, she's a Brit that's in America, so she's just fucking confusing altogether, isn't she? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, next for me is Lanfan from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and she's a ninja. Alchemist, alchemistry kind of thing. Ninja's a badass. Yeah. And she cut off her arm and stuck it to a dog just so she could escape. Yeah, so she could lose the... Because the prince wouldn't leave her behind when she was injured. So she, because he was so stubborn, she's like, fine, if you won't leave without me. She basically rips her... Cuts her own arm off. That's wounded. That's wounded. Attaches it to a dog. That way the people that are searching for her... Track just, the dog. They end up finding the dog and it's got an arm tied to the back yeah, of it. Yeah, it's just like, what the f Dude, get <laughs> fucking arm off me. What the fuck? But, yeah, so she cut off her own damn arm. The bitch is badass. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think I could do that. I'd pass out halfway through. Uh, actually, my next one is also from Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Rizzo Hawkeye. Um, again, we have a theme of dogs here. She trained her dog with a gun. She taught it by shooting the wall around it and scaring it crapless. I'm not condoning that, but she had a, um, she has an air about her that just takes command of the situation. Even when the flame alchemist, who is supposed to be in charge and all this, even when he loses it, she always seems to have her cool, and she's always one step ahead of him in taking charge of the situation, which I think is very powerful. Yeah, she's got a fun relationship with Roy Mustang yeah. as well. Um, my, one of my favorite scenes is they're tracking down Scar, who's killing all the alchemists, and she's pretty much like, and it's raining, and he's totally goofed and forgot that he can't use his fire alchemy in the rain, and his gloves are wet, and she pretty much just kicks his ass to the ground and starts firing guns at Scar. Yep. So she's comical yet badass, and that's why I like Riza. She's yeah. human. Yeah, she is. That's the best part. And to go with the theme, my number one badass character, for good reason, is Lucy from Elfin Lead, which is tonight's anime, what we'll be discussing. And you're going to get 101 reasons why she's badass, but those vectors, the invisible arms, whatever you want to call them, they're scary. They are. <laughs> and the first episode of Elfin Leeds probably the most violent, and you really get to see them in use when she kills guard after guard after guard, and... And she, then some. Yeah, ripping people's hearts out, twisting their heads off, and there's one character called Bando later on in the anime, and she pretty much just pops his eyes with the vectors. Yep. She's fucking mean. She's, like, just powerful. She's fucking mean about it, and that's why she's so badass. And she knows she's powerful, and she knows she's mean. She's not like Mariko, where it, she knows it. She thinks she's it's helpless. Not helpless. She she doesn't know any better. It's just her instincts. Yeah, Mariko doesn't know better. Lucy does, and that's what makes her scary. Well, Mariko has a sense of... Sort of, but she's still very But we'll get childlike. into that later. That's yeah. a whole she's... thing. We've got plenty of time to talk about Mariko is lead. much younger than Lucy. That's all. So, you're up. Um, my next one isn't actually from an anime, but it's from a um, anime. anime it's from an anime style game called Trauma Center, and later on, their third in the series, Trauma Team. I have been obsessed with this particular character from the very beginning, named Naomi Kimishima. She is a s surgeon in the first one, and then in the second, in the third one, she is a forensic specialist. She is, you know, in the style of Atlas Games. More badass than normal people really should be. Surgeons shouldn't be able to chase after bombers and things like that. But she has tried to run back into burning buildings to save children. And she has threatened to shoot people in the face. And it's just, compared to the other characters, which are just humorously badass, she is just plain badass. And... For Atlas, she's the most normal character of all the Atlas characters, so that's saying something. So that's our top five badass women anime characters from each me and Jonas perspective. And if you guys have got a different opinion or think we've done disjustice by not mentioning a particular character that we might not even know of, feel free to ring in at 713-955-0363. And that again is 713-955-0363. 0363 and you 
Yeah, it's a different number. Okay. We have two of them. Okay. And as John was about to point out, we do have another number that works, which is 760-512-7247, because Blog Talk Radio is a piece of shit. <laughs> I just totally got the South Park thing stuck in my head now. Okay. Rob Schneider is a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, topping that off again, it was Mikasa, Colin, Claire, Lanfan, Lucy, Holo, Mikasa again for Jana, Mariko, Riza, and Naomi, Kimi, Shimi, Wada Wada Wada? Kimishima. What an annoying name. We have a customer where I work with the last name Kimishima. I mean, it's got Shima in, which is the name of our cat, so I'm okay with it, but the other part... Well, eh. The hell, man? <laughs> Just go with the summary. <laughs> Alright, so a bit of trivia for you guys. If you do feel like calling in, we've got a couple of questions lined up, and I'm going to give you the first one here. The original Dragon Ball series had a lot of influence from a particular Chinese novel. Which novel was this? Again, you can phone in at 760-512-7247, or the number on the screen, and let us know if you have the answer to that as we move on to the voice actors for Attack on Titan's English dub. Now, Funimation has been teasing for a while, only releasing the characters bit by bit because they're douchebags. <laughs> Seriously. And saving Aaron for last. It's like, and it wasn't even that big of a deal. No. It's like, the the way they sheltered it, I thought it was going to be like... Like a really major voice actor. Like Vic Min... I can never pronounce that. Vic so, Mignana. Mignana. Mm. It's the G placement. It throws me off. <laughs> but... I'm it's so like, glad. It's like the Z in my maiden name. No one I am get it. so freaking glad that he is not playing Eren. Don't get us wrong. We like Vic Mignogna, but um, I we... wouldn't been able to stand Tomaki and Edward Elric and Eren Yeager all sounding the same. That thing would have drive me absolutely bonkers. Yep. So I'm so glad that isn't the case. But uh, yeah, we'll go into the actual voice actors that have been chosen for Attack on Titan and give you our thoughts on them. So, for Aaron Yeager's English voice actor, we have Bryce Prampenbrook. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Is that, well, and to give you a guy of some guys' uh, perspective on who that is, uh, he is now the English voice actor for Kirito on Sword Art Online. And we've heard his voice from the trailer, and I think we were pretty satisfied. He mm-hmm. wasn't too bad. No, I, I actually liked the voice. I was a little wary about it because obviously it's a very important character, but it wasn't that off from the Japanese version. Of course, it's going to have different inflections and tones because it's a different language, but it was still very similar and, you know, it wasn't too deep, which I was afraid they do. They sometimes do that with main characters because he's not a big guy. Aaron's a small guy. Well, he isn't even, like, probably hasn't freaking been in puberty that goddamn long. Yeah, he's not very old. So it's nice to see that they weren't ready to rush in and give him a big burly voice. He's a kid in the military. He's got to be a bit hardened, but he's still a kid at the end yeah. of the day. None of these guys have really had a chance to grow up outside of the military. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they chose the voice actor that they did because they could have gone so horribly wrong with this. Um, There's a few voice actors that can range their vocals, but I'm glad they went with someone like uh, Bryce because... He just hit the nail on the head. Yeah, he did. He sounds young, but he doesn't sound too freaking generic. Yeah. He's not the generic male protagonist. So uh, Mikasa is going to be voiced by Trina Nishimura, who is the voice actor from a character we mentioned earlier, Lanfan from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Ninja that chopped her arm off and tied it to a dog. 
Yeah. Now, me and Jana are actually a bit at odds as far as opinion on this goes, because I don't like it. She's... I don't mind. I'd like to see a few more clips of her voice, because the only one we've really seen a long clip of was after she suffered a really insane tragedy. Like, probably the worst thing that could ever happen to her at that particular moment in time. And even in the Japanese version, she showed emotion during that part. Now, Mikasa doesn't usually show emotion. She's kind of stone cold. Yeah, so... But she showed emotion in both the Japanese and the English versions. Now, both of us are a little wary that the actor's going to show a bit too much emotion all the time. Mm -hmm. Because the only part we've seen is a very emotional scene. And now the issue is, when she was showing emotion, it didn't seem authentic to me. Mm. It seemed, or not so much reading off a script, but kind of in between that limbo of, it doesn't seem like it's acted as much as it's performed. If you know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of, it didn't seem real to me. And that's, and it's one scene. Yeah. It's kind of an important scene. So I'm a bit phased on Mikasa right now. I don't know if I like her or not. We need to see a bit more before yeah. we can make that decision. So, Mikasa, I'm not sold on. Eren, I'm pretty happy with right now. Uh, Armin is one we've not heard too much of, and it's done by Josh Grell, who's done a variety of different uh, anime, a lot of them from being Ikitosun. I didn't get the name of the character that he does, but he's a seasoned voice actor, and I can't give you an honest opinion of yay or nay on him. The uh, scene I saw seemed okay. It was the scene where they were lowered from the basket. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And when they blow all the titans with the guns in the ice and distract them. Yeah, it it the scene I saw, he seemed good, but again, we haven't gotten to see much. And it was a scene where it's hard to explain, but it's just not enough. I need more. I'd get confidence in it just because of the amount of work he's done. Mm -hmm. Whilst he's never been given the major league role in some of the major anime, he's still capable. And Armin isn't too much of a character that you're going to have trouble. Yeah, he's he's not too... There's not too much he says or does. I mean, that does change later on, but I'm not that worried. Now, here comes the voice actor that me and Jana have the biggest problems with. Levi's voice actor. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Mercer, who was a minor voice actor for animes like Cowboy Bebop and Trigun. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to discredit his work in that. Oh, I haven't no. really paid too much attention to it. Mm-mm. This I will discredit him for, and it's a shame because I think this is his big break, too. I don't... At least, this is probably the most notable anime he's been in, and one of the most popular characters. And his voice is just way too fucking deep. I don't personally blame him for that. I blame them for casting him wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only change your voice so freaking much. And Levi, again, like Aaron, is not a big guy. He's a tiny guy. And in the Japanese version, his voice, it's just both, I feel this way about both Levi and Mikasa. Neither of them are big or burly. They both have high-pitched voices in the Japanese version. Well, as high-pitched as you could really get a guy's voice. And that didn't matter because they were cold, they were calculating, and they were badass. It doesn't matter how high-pitched your voice is. You can be badass. You don't have to have a low-pitched voice to do that. He's not a big guy. The vocal cords don't match up with this. It shouldn't be that deep. For a while, I heard that they were thinking of casting Travis Willingham as this part. Jesus Christ, that would have been awful. I was so angry. I love Travis Willingham. He's one of my favorites. He's been in Trauma Center from with Naomi. Um, sorry, Trauma Team, not Trauma Center. But he has same voice syndrome. He kind only like does... Vic. Yeah, kind of Vic, like Vic. Vic can do, outside of Broly... Where he just kind of... <laughs> yeah. Um, outside of that, 
he's pretty, like Vic's biggest issue is I can be Edward Elric and I can be flamboyant Edward Elric. <laughs> yeah. He has same voice syndrome. And that one voice he does, maybe one or two voices, they're wonderful. They're really good. And he does a great job, but leave again too deep. So I was relieved when I heard it wasn't him, but, but then I saw this clip and I was mad again. I wasn't mad. I was just I was mad at the Funimation for casting this guy. Yeah. The guy's a good voice actor. The voice that he acts with, it's well acted. It's mm-hmm. just not the right voice. Yeah, and that's not his fault. He was cast And wrong. here's the thing. I don't think that guy can do the right voice. Mm-mm. So I understand what they were thinking. This guy's a badass and we don't want to stray away from that. You, you got... They, they you, you went too in, you went, it was too intent on the whole sounding badass yeah. rather than being badass. And There's a difference. It's hurt the character. Yeah. Um, I definitely prefer the Japanese dub of Levi. Very much. Me too. Um, and is it Jean? Jean. Jean? Mm. Fucking French. Here's the kicker. Who does, pronounce... he, who does he play in Full Metal Alchemist? Okay, Mike McFarland, who plays Jean, plays Jean. Spelled exactly the goddamn same in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Jean Havoc. And... Uh, who else does he play that you said? I don't remember. I didn't have to write it It was down. another very important big role in some other anime. Oh, fucking Master Roshi from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. So, yeah, and Yajirobe. So, this guy's been... This He's guy, been in a lot of things. And naturally, this guy's the best voice actor in the whole fucking show. Like, he's... And it shows that he's being casted for those roles because he's goddamn good. Yeah. He is... The work, most he is the best performed voice in this entire anime from what I've seen so far. I enjoy the character of Jean, so I'm excited to see where he'll take Jean, because Jean goes from a whiny, sniffling little brat that wants that to be in the military police that to couldn't get in Mikasa's pants. Yes, but to oh, someone so that is willing to join everybody in the higher ranks and help defend the wall. So he's probably the best, and there's not much. More than I can say, than he's been given the best voice. Yeah. And more credit to Mike McFarland. And honestly, I never was familiar with who those vo- who was behind the voices of those characters. But now that I've learned about who it is, I can appreciate him. He's a really good voice actor. Mm-hmm. And the last one that we took real note of that people might be interested in is Irwin's voice actor, which is done by J. Michael T- um, Tatum. And... He does voice, and I guess it is Kraft Lawrence because that's the name I've written down for who he voices, and that's from Spice and Wolf. Um, I have no. Uh, he also does Sebastian from Black Butler, so mm-hmm. that might be a bit more familiar to people since Black Butler's a bit more mainstream. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, I had no issues with the voice. It was pretty accurate for a military officer. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Not much more to say than that. Yeah. So, a question that leaves me. Is there anyone you'd like, like, is there any voice actors you'd prefer on these guys? Yeah. Like, is there anyone that you can think of at the top of your Honestly, head? I've never really memorized the names of particular voice actors. I didn't even know who Sonny Strait was until we bumped him into him in the elevator. Yeah. I just knew his voice. I, <laughs> I didn't know his name or what he looked like. And unfortunately, that's just how it is with a lot of voice actors. So it's hard for me to pull one out of my hat out of nowhere and just say I'd prefer this. All I know is more than anything, I'd prefer a higher pitched voice for Levi. That is the biggest thing. And it's hard to think who you'd cast in there because you don't want to go Kirito high but you don't want to go fucking... Gay blow. (laughs) Yeah, gay blow. So who do you guys think should voice Levi? Because we fucking hate the voice. Yeah, and we're Um, lost to If you guys want to comment in the chat, I know we got one guest in there unless that's Jonna. 
That's me. Oh, that's you. Okay. That's no, we me. don't have one guest in the chat. I was lying. But You're if you guys want to phone in, um, the number is 760-512-7247. Or you can phone in on 713-955-0363 and give us your thoughts on who should voice Levi. And the remember, we've got a couple of trivia questions. One of them is the original Dragon Ball series had a lot of influence from a particular Chinese novel. If you can name what that novel is, ring in. And the other one that we have is what Pokemon has been banned from appearing in the animated series... Um, well, sorry. <laughs> what Pokemon has been banned from appearing in the animated series after multiple people suffered a uh, seizure during his debut? Mm-hmm. So, with that, we are going to move on to the main event of the evening, which is... I've been watching a lot of MMA. That's okay. I was just doing it before we got here, so... I've got UFC on the brain right now. But, now it is time for Elfin Lead. The most controversial anime outside of hentai to exist, in my opinion. So, I'm going to read you guys a bit of a summary that we wrote down from... Just try basically the best way to sum it up, because it's not a... It's basically e- a summary of how it all started. It's not an easy anime to sum up, though. That's So, uh, we're going to do our best here, but... Yeah, it's just a summary of how it started, not of the whole anime. To give you guys a background, it follows two cousins, Kota and Yuka. And they meet up for the first time in years... They were closest children, especially you, and uh, you could have been looking forward to spending some time with Coda again. Um, Coda barely, like, barely had any memories of her, too, which was... Well, you find out yeah. why later. Uh, while spending the first day together, they decided to go to the beach, because it was their favorite place to go as a kids. And it all changes when they see an injured girl who's absolutely booked naked on the beach. Yep. And bleeding and injured, which, again, is a scary sight. That's enough to start anyone... Uh, their naive interest in helping the woman, who seems confused and can only say new, uh, turns into a nightmare as the government fire is after her, and it basically they get dragged into the whole whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Not so much Yuka as much Kota gets yeah, dragged Kota into it. Yeah, Kota is more dragged into it. Yuka's only dragged into it when Kota become refuses to tell her what's going on. But the, but not only is this girl have amnesia but she has two white objects sticking out of her head which to much to the surprise were real horns so that was new and little lucy as you want to call her and it sets the tone for what's a really weird anime yeah the scariest thing is how it starts yeah so we've gave you a bit of a background on koda and yuka um we probably should just discuss how the first episode starts. Yeah. I mean, it's... Before we get to that bit of a summary, that's what sets the main motion and, like, story in motion. But yeah. prior to that, you're taken to a government facility where they're keeping these creatures called Diclonius's. Diclonii, I believe. I looked up on, I looked up on Wikipedia. It's like two eyes at the end. Diclonii. So Diclonii. The D's. The D's. So they're holding the D's, (laughs) and they're performing horrible, horrible. I guess it walked me out. They're performing horrible, horrible, horrible things, tests, experiments on these creatures. And Lucy's like, or News like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Lucy is the one that is aware of everything. New is the one that has amnesia. So Lucy, before, prior to turning into New, breaks out of the facility 
decapitates countless guards, destroying them in the most brutal and gory fashion ever. And this episode is so gory that it's turned people off the anime totally. It's yeah. like, they've got to the first episode and they're like, nah. To be fair, it's the most gory episode. After that, it gets a lot better. To, to be fair, the scene where Nana's fingers get chopped to bits is a bit more That was to me. painful to just watch. Um, oh, they don't just kill guards. I believe a secretary gets killed as well. Yeah, they pop her head off and then she's like, yep, I'm out of here. <laughs> they eventually try and sniper her and they don't get a clean shot. And that's what results on her being not being washed up on the beach. Not knowing who she is. And bloodied up. Yeah. Now we don't know if she had that issue of turning into new prior to that. We're not no, really we told. Don't know. So that is how that anime started, and my first impressions of that was holy shit, I've never seen horror in an anime done so well. Yeah. It, that anime like that was the first um I saw like a two minutes cutscene of that anime and that's what got me into it yeah so i what was your first impressions after the first episode well i've always well not always actually i was terrified of everything as a child but when i became a teenager i was very curious of um anything horror so at first i was intrigued that was the first thing that ran through my mind i wanted to know more i wanted to know why she was doing these things and i wanted to know why they were holding her in there and like keeping her naked with a helmet on. I still don't know the purpose of the helmet. So she can't see people. Uh, fair enough. But um, they end up shooting it off of her and making everything worse. But my first impression was intrigue. I wanted to know more. And then the anime takes it, like, throws you for a loop. It goes from being murderous to comical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, seriously, after they fucking bring her home, she pisses on the floor. Yeah, like a dog. She tries to tell them she has to pee, but obviously she, she can't... She can only say new. She can't say anything. She just says new. So she stands there doing the I have to pee dance and telling them new, new, new over and over again. And then she pisses on the floor and they're like, oh, I guess that's what she was trying to tell us. And you're like, silly Japan after that, because it goes from <laughs> extreme gore to awkward comedy. Not even... Funny comedy. Oh, more. and she also wants him to grab her boob. Yeah. Yep. Because it feels good. <laughs> like she's, he she's so he not, She's just... <laughs> she has no context because she's basically a child in that situation. Right, in an adult body. And... With somewhere deep inside of her adult memories. <laughs> so it and just... And apparently leaves. has a sexuality still. Yeah, so... And plus, you know, as we'll go in further, she has memories of Kota from old, younger. We already know she has a crush and on And we her. don't know how much of those memories that New has in context. Yeah, so I, maybe she really did want to have sex with him. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you know, Yuka, of course, walked in on that. And let me put this into context... And uh, just say hi to whoever just logged in. How do I pronounce that? Ilukona? Ilukona? Ilukona is my guess. All right, but hey, thanks for joining us. And so... <laughs> but one thing that I want to say is in America, and probably England as well, dating your cousin is not really socially acceptable or scientifically acceptable to most people. In Japan, some people share that same idea as we do, but others, they, they don't. It's not looked down upon at all. And to get into that, we're going to discuss Koda and Yuka, Yuka now, the two yeah. cousins. As we said, they met up after a duration of not seeing each other for a while, and the reason Yuka wanted to meet up with him for all good part is she she's, wants to do him. She's in love with him. Yeah, that. Yeah, and she wants to do him. Yeah. There's that, too. But, of course, she walks in every time Yu is trying to feel him up. So that never ends well. <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah. We might as well get into the bulk of the Declonius and how it all expands from there. You've got Lucy, who... His character really expands when, well, new, her character expands into Lucy when she turns one evening after being assault, after running away from home after upsetting Coda. Oh, she broke the seashell. Broke a seashell and that threw her, Coda to go in a rage and... Because his dead little sister gave it to him. And she runs off and she's assaulted by a military... <laughs> Mm-hmm. After being abused quite a bit, the guy wanted a fight. This guy, Bondo. Bondo, he really, really wants a fight. He loves fighting, but she won't fight back, and he's getting sick of it. So he's about to execute her when, boom, she turns into Lucy and goes haywire on him. She whoops his ass, and what is it? She throws something at him, doesn't she? Because he thinks he can't hit her from a distance, because her ar- <laughs> visible arms, vectors only have such a distance to assault him with. Yeah. And he's like, and she grabs some, it throws it at him, and proceeds to pop his eyes, rip his limbs, and leaves him a bloody battered mess. Yep. She rips his arm off, doesn't she? And mm-hmm. then she pops his eyes out of his head. And it's after that, and it was after that point where we're introduced to another character called Mayu, who actually finds Bondo's body and yeah. gets him some medical assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also learn after the military comes and brings him back, we learn how Diclonius reproduce. Yeah, at that point we find out Diclonius actually reproduce from just touching. Yeah, they touch you and your sperm or your eggs, whatever you have, they are tainted. And so, next time you have a baby, it'll be born as a Diclonius. They wanted to take his testicles. Yeah, they wanted to... Take his testicles. They didn't think to actually... Yes, his testicles. They didn't want to take his testicles. They didn't think to take his testicles before they gave him its new arm. And he I ended don't up... always send a text, but when I do, I use my nuts. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but they didn't think to take the testicles before giving him his new arm. And he punched Grama in the face and uh, got out of there before they could take his nuts. So it was Karama he punched in the face. It was just a normal... I really thought it was Karama. I don't no. know why I'm thinking that. But it's, it's like, hey, dangerous psycho military guy. We just gave you a new body. We can take your nuts now, right? <laughs> what type of fucking logic is that? Of course he's going to go psycho and whoop your ass. And Bondo is a psychopath. He is all about um, badass, let's get the ladies, let's fuck things up. Yeah, you know? so, so yeah, yeah, you can totally take my notes. That's going to end well. Yeah. So the idiots give him freaking all these robot bits and want to take his nuts. And like any logical psycho-military guy, he punches him in the face and jumps out a window. Yep. Couldn't just took the stairs. <sighs> <laughs> I think he just jumped through the window to be a dick. Seriously. Probably. I fucking hate that character. I enjoy hating him, but I fucking hate him. Yeah. Um, looks like we have another person in the chat. Yeah, we've got going, a few people in the chat. They're going by guest A lot of guest names, but hey well, guys. Well, I'm one of them. Yeah. So. But hey guys, great to have you on. If you guys want to contribute to the conversation, you can ring in on the number that's showing, which should be 713-955-0363. But we also have another number, 760-512-7247. Because, you know, Blog Talk's like, fuck being logical, here's an extra number. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Welcome to our home. Yeah, this is our marriage. So, shit, we're talking about Diclonius, right? Yes. So, Nana. Nana. Nana, Nana. Nana, which um, actually means seven in Japanese. They named her that because she is number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and this she's weird because one of the... Oh, Steve G. Hello, Steve. Steve. All the cool people are named Steven. 
Yep. Right, Steven? Hell yeah. All right. But I'm Steven with a PH. Steven. Steven. <laughs> Fucking hate that meme. <laughs> ruined my life. But, um... So Nana has actually got one... Like, one of the... Chief Kurama, who happens to be one of the people working behind the scenes... Um, of the government for all this Dicolonia's research actually grows an attach uh, attachment to Nana. Mm -hmm. And Nana sees her, him as her father. Yeah. So she knowing this, he asks her to go after Lucy. Because Dicolonia's can sense each other. And even tell if the other has noticed them yet. Mm -hmm. So she goes after Lucy and it's like she won't kill, fight her because she doesn't want to kill her. Well, she'll fight her, but she doesn't want to kill her. Yeah, she's insisted she wants to be a good girl, and she doesn't want... But she doesn't want to let Papa down, so she can't go back home without Lucy. Now, the interesting thing is that she, uh... She attacked... She actually met up with Mayu first, didn't she? I think so. It's No, I don't think she did. It's hard to say. I can't remember. It's... I don't remember how it went, but Mayu had, um... Oh, no, that was much later in the anime. It was? Yeah. Well, Nana comes at... Yeah, it was after she got a... Yeah, okay, I remember. I'm back on track now. <laughs> All right, so Nana goes and tracks Lucy down. Lucy, new turns into Lucy, and they end up having a bit of a brawl and finds out that Nana actually has longer vectors than her. So after playing the defense for a while, she's like, Lucy, being the badass self that she is, is like, you know what? Enough of the shit. Yeah, because Lucy didn't want to hurt her because it was another one of her kind. But mm -hmm. she said, well, you know what, if I have to, I'm not going back there. So, Yeah, and absolutely rips all her four, apart. All four limbs. And her fingers. Yep. That was like gruesome. Fingers first, then her limbs. Now, for me, this is like one of the most gory scenes in the anime. Like, yeah. I know there was a lot of blood before, but blood's just red coloring at the end of the day. Yeah. But actually seeing bones and, and muscle tissue. And watching the fingers going off. Like, the artist's... Did a fantastic fucking job with this. Yeah, they really did. And I give a lot of credit to that. This anime, it's bright and colourful. And it's very gory, but they do it with such meaning. Mm -hmm. And I could appreciate that. And it was such a sad scene because for a while, all this time when she's getting her ass kicked, she's like, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt. And then she finally breaks. Mm -hmm. And it leads us to a scene where we're actually seeing her being put down by Chief Karama. Well, yeah, Nana seems to be, out of all the Diclonius, the one that doesn't have any want to kill anyone. No, she's the weird one. Diclonius naturally have a second voice in their head telling them to kill people. And I don't understand why she was out of the loop, and I don't think they really have what Diclonius is sussed out. No, they never really went over it in the anime. And I don't... for those who want British, sussed means figured out. Uh, but um, at one point, the, the director told Karama to put Nana down. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told the director he would, and Nana and him talk for a while, and then he puts her to sleep, but doesn't put her down. Mm -hmm. And it's such a sad scene, because she's like, she thinks that he's actually going to put her down, too. Mm -hmm. She realizes it, and... And, and say, she says sayonara, which in Japanese does not mean goodbye. It's basically like farewell. farewell. Like, it's, I'm probably not going to see you again, and if I will, it won't be for a while. So it was really sad, and it was one of the most touching scenes. And it means even more later when you find out Chief Karama's past, but we'll yeah. get into that as and when. So I thought it was a really well done touching scene. It was probably one of the most emotional. Mm -hmm. And this whole, this fucking anime is so depressing. It really is. It's like, 
Even at the end, with some fulfillment, you're like, I still kind of want to go eat a tub of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty Little much. Moose tracks ice cream. Especially after, the, especially after the one with the puppy and the children. You're just like... Yeah. Moose tracks. <laughs> moose tracks ice cream. Yep. <laughs> and it's good because that ice cream that we have actually has the word denial in it. <laughs> yes. I think it's denial. didn't happen. I think, didn't it's, happen. <laughs> I think it's Denali, not Denial. <laughs> Whatever, it's Denial to me. I haven't read it properly. Don't shame me on air. I'll slap you with my ring hand. Anyway, what happens with Nana is she actually wakes up on the beach. Um, and she has... <laughs> Why would you bring up the puppy, Christine? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get more into that puppy, because so I you am might want to get some Kleenex. Because I'm a motherfucking bastard, that's why I brought up the puppy. Uh, <laughs> oh, and just so you're extra sad... Nina, Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> You're a dick. Yeah. There's not enough sad in this room. You had to bring up Nina. Yeah. And Alexander. And if you don't know what that is, you better go back and... All right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. You shark. Uh, poor Steve Griffith. I know. I think that might actually be a friend of mine from Facebook. All right, so... Um, <laughs> shit, all that depression stuff's throwing me off track. Where the hell are we? So, all right, Nana wakes up on the beach and she has all new four working arms and legs because of her vectors. Yep, Karama had her outfitted with the new arms and legs that basically the guy, the Bondo has, but her vectors are holding them in place. So, mm, if she's she can not paying, use them a bit better than yeah, Bondo. she can use them better than he can. But if she's not paying attention, sometimes they fall off, <laughs> <laughs> which leads to a lot of conflict. It's interesting situations. though. I one thing I don't like about that is I, you'd think it'd require more mental strain. But she's a Diclonius. So There's a lot point. going on there. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's it's one of those things that kind of, I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah. But it's fine. I mean, it's anime. You've got to suspend your disbelief a lot when it comes to this. Yeah. So. You right there? Yep. Heartburn. Lovely. For kids. For kids? Yeah. All right, then. All right, what's next? All right, so uh, we're done talking about Mayu. Uh, we're going to talk about Mayu now okay. uh, with Nana. So Mayu actually is a girl that Koda also brings into the family because, you know, stray kids. Correct? I think after his uh, little sister passed away, um, he became obsessed with helping other girls and kind of replacing her and his life with these other women. Not to have sex with them or anything, just like he wants to take care of people. It's who he is. I think the background story really is that his mom wouldn't let him have Pokemon cards, so instead he's collecting small children. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. Okay. Not really, but still. It'd be an interesting scenario for a psychotic anime. I suppose so. So he brings Mayu into the family, and her past is horrible. Yeah. She was... Well, she was a, you learn over time she's a runaway. She's been living off a of bread crust in that, the beach. that the bakery's been giving away, and she's been living on the beach with this little dog called Wanta. And she has nowhere to go, but she finds an umbrella on the beach that belongs to the Kaede house. And basically she thinks, I should return this, so she brings it to the Kaede house. And after that, she starts... Um, Actually, they become a big part of her life after that, and they slowly over time start to realize she doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, because her background goes, her mother's abusive, and her mother's boyfriend, because her dad's out of the picture, is a molester, pretty much. Yeah, she's only, I think she's only 14. And he used to ask her to strip and 
getting to her soul sort of positions. And they showed her stripping, but they never went past that. Yeah. Elfin lead doesn't have many limits, but that's one of them. They wouldn't actually go and show the same because at that point it's a hand tie. Yeah. They do everything but make it a hand tie. Yeah. So it's a sad scene and... And finally she can't take it anymore, so she runs. So she ends up with the family and... Kaede House. Yeah, the Kaede House House family, if you can call it a family. Yeah, it's... Kind of a whole bunch of misfits. Basically. And then Nana also ends up becoming a part of the family because Mayu ends up finding Nana, who's been awoken on a beach by Kurama via machines, Mm -hmm. and giving her a stack of money, which she burns for firewood because she doesn't know what money is. She sees these women using coins to pay because it was only 500 yen. And... She thinks, oh, darn, I don't have any of these coins, so I can't eat. And Maya realizes that she's burning stacks of money. She didn't have any 500 yen, but she had 50,000. <laughs> and I mean, like, stacks and stacks of 50,000. She probably had several million yen. You might want to have explained that, Karama. You kind yeah. of had her chained up in a fucking room for all her life. Yeah, she doesn't know what N is, seriously. So that was a really interesting situation. And after a bit of brawling with... New because she well, assumes yeah. she's Lucy. She brings her back to the house because she's and, hungry. And they get into a scuffle. And eventually they all fall into place and everyone's happy and family again. So, everyone's happy. Well, it's normal. There's na- only one way for this anime to go now. <laughs> down. Down, down, down. Nana sees that New really is not Lucy. Like, mm-hmm. they're the same person, but New is a good person. And she considers Lucy to be a bad person, but she tells Mayu... I hope Miss Lucy never comes back out, because if she does, you know what I'm going to have to do. So, from here, the only real place to go is the horrible scene with the dog, which Steve doesn't want to talk about. And <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it basically goes into her past, mm-hmm. Lucy's past, where she lived in an orphanage. And Lucy was different. She had the horns, but for the most part... She was a kid. She was a normal kid. Yeah. She had pink hair, pink eyes, and horns, and because of that, the adults treated her horribly, and the children treated her horribly. And that affected her whole life, and she became very depressed, very... Just gave up. Gave up, gave in, like, pretty much accepted solitude and misery. Mm-hmm. And was speaking with this voice in her head, which was... The voice didn't show up until after the puppy, though. No, it was... Before. Oh, was it? Yeah, I remember uh-huh. the handprints in the wall. Oh, yeah. She was still in the orphanage then. Oh, yeah, she woke up one morning after having a nightmare with this voice in her head, and she wakes up, and there's handprints all over her room. Which would freak me out. I mean, they don't... Yeah. It's, a really, it's really interesting how they built that scene up. And, yeah. Uh, they, her past arc is my favorite. Obviously, she had never used her vectors before, mm-hmm. so that's probably the first time her vectors ever came out. And... It's one of my favorite scenes because they build the tension up so nicely in this. Mm-hmm. And it puts that feeling of doubt in when there's all the positivity finally starting to come in her life. Because she gets a friend. Yep. Where during all the bullying... She meets a puppy and she also makes a friend, a human mm-hmm. friend. Now this puppy... Uh, now this puppy she goes and visits and feeds every day. And she tells a secret puppy... Well, she tells a secret about the puppy to her new friend that she's made who protects her from the bullies. Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, this dipstick of a friend ended up telling them about the puppy. We're not going to go into excruciating detail on this because it's a bit too much, but... They they... beat it to death with a vase whilst holding her back and making her watch. Yeah. 
And at that point, Lu- she becomes Lucy, the Lucy that we know. She's a sweet <laughs> flower vase. No, says Steve Griffith. <laughs> Griffith. Fucking hell, what's Griffith. It? It's because I'm. F- You're I'm lo- far away. Yeah, I'm far away because we're in a tiny room here. Yeah. The Mega Power Studio. God. <laughs> <laughs> totally professional studio, right? Yeah, totally a professional studio. Not a whole bunch of computers plugged into one outlet surrounded by Grand Theft Auto and Anchorman posters? Nope, totally not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, I think it becomes too much for her to t- handle, and she finally uses her vectors. She murders every kid in that room, including her friend. And uh, the whole room is basically repainted with the blood of children. And corpses. And corpses, yes. And at that point she goes off to go uh, bury the dog on the hill that she met him. Yeah. And she meets Coda. Yep. And Little Coda. Tells Coda, I hate humans, I hate you all, go away. Yeah. You'll be here tomorrow, right? Because <laughs> you know when someone tells you they hate you, you go, okay, cool, cool that's nice, can we play again tomorrow? <laughs> so it was kind of dumb, but... It, was it just shows sweet. he was naive, you yeah. know, he's a naive little boy, that's all he was. And he was here visiting, I believe, so he mm-hmm. wanted to make friends. So they end up meeting up again the next day, and that's when we hear the theme, like, the song, the theme song for the anime is called Lillian. Yeah. And that, and Coda has a music box with that song in, and that's where it all comes from. Mm-hmm. And they end up becoming friends, and he got apparently a big allowance from his dad. Yep. I want a big allowance from my dad. You already get one sometimes. Okay. What a bigger allowance? I like money. Don't we all? Should I should get paid for being awesome. No. Okay. No. Yeah. Anyway, they, they, she hears the music box and it just kind of subdues her, I guess. I'm not sure why. They never really mm-hmm. go into why. But um, they end up hanging out, going to the zoos and stuff, and pushing each other into water, and just being kids. She is just blown away by the size of the animals, because yeah. she's like, I, it can't be that good, I don't like animals. I think she says that because last time she loved an animal, it got Stop. killed. And um, She turns into an utter child again. Oh my god, it's so big! And she goes to the elephant, and then she goes to the giraffe. Oh my god, its neck is so long, how is it so long? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I'm like... I'm like, wow, I've never been this happy during the anime. Sure as hell gonna be fun, right? Nope. Yeah. Coda's leaving soon to go back home, and he tells her that. And she's like, okay, I'll see you at the festival. And yeah. Yeah. Well, he says, are you going to the festival? And she says, no. And she says, I'm gonna be there with my cousin, though. And she's like, your cousin's not a girl, right? No, she says your cousin a boy or a girl. Yeah, and he tells her a boy because... He doesn't want her to be upset. Because you can tell that there's something there between them. He's naive, but he's not that naive. Yeah. And she comes to the festival, she spots the two hanging out together, and that inner monologue thing in her head, which is the Diclonius pretty much trying to morph into... Well, what do they call it exactly? It's, uh... I had it written down because it's such a fucking weird word there. No, that's not what it is. No. No, a silpalette and a queen or two. She's a queen, not a silpalette. Well, there's something inside of her. I don't know what it's called. Which makes her become the Diclonius. And I don't know what it's it, called, though. And that is what she's... It's kind of like this thing that's converting her into the Lucy we know. Yeah. And they finally... they It's like reaches her hand out inside her mind. And they both take each other's hands. And that's when she becomes... 
The same being. The same being and joined together. Mm-hmm. And she meets Coder on the train later, kills his sister, kills, kills his, his dad. dad, and Coder from that point on loses all memory. Oh, and he, she says, I'm going to go kill that girl now, your cousin. Yeah, and then Coda tackles her. He tackles her and, like, basically slams her into the ground over and over again and says, stop it, stop it, stop it. And, and she won't hurt him. Cause she... No, she won't hurt him, no matter what. And every time she goes to kill in the future, half the time, if somebody says, stop it, she freaks out mm-hmm. and sometimes reverts back to new. If people say that because that particular scene stuck in her mind from then on out she never forgot it and i remember there was another scene on the train from several days before where she she had been breaking into people's houses and killing them so she could live in their house and basically she's thinking in her head well after what am i going to do after coda leaves it's saying along these lines i might be wrong but she says i'm gonna have to break into another house and kill everyone so i can live there and then she stops and she says did i just think kill have I been killing people? Is that what I've been doing? And that's at which point she tells Coda, if I ever hurt anyone, I need you to kill me. Which plays more into the manga than it does the anime. Yeah. Because it's, we're going to get into a bit of a good, bad, and ugly later. And the ending for the show is lame as fuck. Yeah. But at this point, you're on such a high seeing them as kids. And it's really fun after the, after the dog scene, I mean. Mm-hmm. And you're brought from down to a low, back up to such a great high again. And then all the way back down to a low again because of the... It's a never-ending roller coaster. It never stops. Uh, one moment, guys. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those animes where... And uh, just to say, the scenes were all done in fan- fantastic waltz, like it was done in horrible fashion, like the uh, puppy scene. I felt it was right, though. I mean... It needed to be done. It needed to be done. It perfectly... Because often in anime, someone will be psycho, and the reasoning behind it is so fucking stupid. You okay there, Jenna? I'm really dizzy. Sorry. I think I'm just too hot. Take a swig of pop. I'm fine. Alright, so dizzy Jenna. So... Yeah, I'm just kind of having a mind blank here. That's okay. Uh, I feel like it's an important thing that happens with the dog because it's the exact moment she loses any little scrap of innocence she had left. Mm -hmm. She no longer is a child at that point until she meets Coda and actually goes to the zoo, but anything that's left after that is just swiped away after she sees him and Yuka at the festival. So yeah, it's like it's nice to see an anime actually give a reason why someone's a freaking psycho and a murderer for once. Yeah. And... Sometimes they don't even bother. It's like, oh, that's just how they are. Well, there has to be a reason. So that's what happens with that. And from there on in, we finally get the big showdown to find seal the anime off. And it's Mariko versus Koda. Sorry, Mariko versus Lucy. Koda, that's weird. Man, he'd get his ass kicked. Yeah, he wouldn't survive that. Mariko is Chief Kurama's real daughter. Mm -hmm. Has many vectors. And is brought for the reason, brought out of the hiding for the simple reason as to kill Lucy. And she and, and find her first introduction to the anime is 
she's sitting in the laboratory and the woman that's being taken care of her. Yeah, she ended up calling computer. the woman Okasan mom. Yeah. Because she had nothing else, you know. Yeah. So she's still and a child. She got so an she latched to Marika. She latched on to her and they latched on to each other and, and the woman was convinced she'd be safe with the Marika. Yeah, went to hug Mariko and she was like, You're well, not my mom. Basically what the woman said, Do you know who I am? And Mariko said, Mama and then with and they smile and she smiled and then after that she said Janai, which means you're not. And it's like, and then she rips her in half and throws her in. And then they blow up Mariko's limbs with bombs that are implanted inside her. Well, the woman that she threw, I believe it was the woman she threw into the room, she was still somehow alive. Uh And she actually pressed the button that blew up the bomb in her arm. Uh, At birth, a million little bombs were planted into her body. It was basically to say, hey, you obey us, we'll blow the fuck out of you. Yeah, and also to keep Karama in line. Mm -hmm. You better do what we want or we're going to blow up your child. So... In the end, they uh, she's used and she fights Lucy and kicks the absolute shit out of her. Mm-hmm. And should we go into the and relationship? Prior, prior to that, Lucy and Coda, well, Coda's memories have been jogged. Yeah, he's fig- he has remembered everything and she remembered everything, and they have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I forgive you, but I can't forget." Wasn't it mm-hmm. something along those lines? Um. So, no, he says, I couldn't never forgive you. You killed my dad and my sister. But at the same time, I don't want you to go. Or something along those lines. But basically, should we go into Karama's past? Well, we're about to. Okay. So we have Karama. And uh, so Mariko has the showdown with Lucy. And she kicks her ass. She also kicks Nana's ass. Because when Nana shows up and calls Karama Papa, she flips out. Because yeah. she's never been able to call him Papa. Yeah. And she only found out through word of mouth that he was her dad. She never knew the whole time. So what comes from that is Karama puts down his gun, which he's aiming at uh, Mariko for a brief moment, and he's saying, I have taken the lives of so many of his children, I've never been able to do it to my own, and for that I'm sorry for making you suffer. When he pointed the gun at her, she almost lost it. She didn't plan on hurting anyone, but she said... My whole life, my whole small life that I've been spending in this horrible place, I was enduring all types of horrible things just so I could meet you. I thought maybe, maybe Mariko, maybe if you go through enough, he'll think you're worthy or something along those lines. Maybe one day you'll get to meet your parents and maybe they'll, maybe my real, real parents will come and take me away from this horrible place and we'll live our lives together and stuff like that. So they have a touching reunion. And she said, and you dare to point that gun at me? They have a he feels sorry, picks her up and hugs her, and she's like, don't come any closer, and he hugs her, and they kind of have a bit of a reunion. Yeah, and he apologizes for everything he put her through. He walks off with her and looks at the doctor who's actually brought Mariko to the station to fight, and he's like, I know what the chi, I know what the director does, like what measures he goes to, I understand what's going to happen. Just do it. Yeah. Whenever you want. Yeah, and when he's walking off down the street, he's, Mariko... Him and Mariko are cuddling, and, and he's holding her, and they're talking together, and she's happy. Yeah, and she blows up then. Yeah. She, like, realizes it's about to happen, they embrace really tightly, and they explode. Yeah, die. both of them. And it's nice that this poor girl that suffered so much finally, she finally found love in her final moments. She finally found her happiness. The probably, the, probably the reason she's as horrible as she is is because she never knew any type of love at she all. She just knew... Test pain. after test after test after test. All she knew was pain. 
And they would do horrible things to these They'd girls. Like, like they would shoot can balls cannonballs at them, basically, and see how much their vectors could like blow away yeah, before and it would they'd go be like, through. Oh, such and such is too much. Yeah, like they would try to protect themselves with the vectors because you can't bind the vectors no matter mm -hmm. what you do. And uh, they would find out how how heavy something could be before the vector would fail. So they and you would see them doing that to Nana, which was mm -hmm. really sad because Nana was never ever violent. Mm -hmm. so, so seeing them do that to the her final, was terrible. The final scenes are that little touching thing between Lucy and Coda. Mm -hmm. And Lucy walks off into a hail of gunstorm to take Kula from the military that are waiting for her. Mm -hmm. And we see she's already had one horn knocked off. No, by, the, she, this is where she gets the horn No, she's already off. had one knocked off by oh, Mariko okay. in the fight. Oh, that's right. And then she has the other one fire off. Mm -hmm. Like being... like. The, after the gunstorm, you just see the other a horn fly into the air. Yeah. And after that, we're just seeing with all the girls sitting, Dakota sitting around the table, discussing and living life, mm -hmm. and it ends with a shadow behind a door, suggesting that Lucy's still alive. Yeah. Now, the stories are so different between that and the manga that we don't really know what they're planning, yeah. and I think the reason the story got cut so short is just because this, the project was canned. Yeah, probably. And it's a shame, because the ending was so lackluster. It was like, oh, this epic fight. All right, see ya. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and you get... The no ending in the manga was better. Yeah, the ending in the manga, that whole line about... If I ever hurt more people, I want you to kill me. Actually happens. Her yeah. powers grow and get out of control, and Kota puts the bullet in her. Yeah, And you also her. find out at the end, but her real name's Kaede. Yeah. I keep mixing up their names. His little sister's name was Kanai, and mm -hmm. I keep mixing them up with Kaede. But so, with that... Chief Karama's passed. We still never went over it. How it happened, how his wife died. Oh, I totally oh. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I'll let you take it. Basically, Chief Karama had... Obviously, he had a wife, and she was pregnant. And we all know that he works with Diclonius, so he had been touched on more than one occasion. And um, when the baby is born, it's a Diclonius. And he had been killing other people's babies because they couldn't do it themselves. And he said, I'm sorry, you know, I have to do it. You know, since you can't do it, I'll do it for you. I would never ask you to kill your own kid, blah, blah, blah. And then when his kid is born, he can't do it. He almost does it, but his wife, who didn't recover very well from the pregnancy, follows him into the room, begs him not to do it, and then collapses on the floor in her own blood because she's, you know, she's bleeding out. She wasn't meant to be moving. And um, he promises her, you know, I'll say, she's saying, save her, save her. Why, why does this have to happen? And then she dies, and he says, I promise, I'll save her. Just come back to me. And she never does. She ends up dying. That's when he asks the chief, or sorry, the director to save the child. And that's where they planted, implanted the bombs in her and said, so Karama and the child would obey them. So that was that brief thing that we missed out. And it really does add depth to Karama's character. Yeah. As far as minor characters and villains go, Karama is probably my favorite villain because mm -hmm. you identify with him so much. And he's got a reason to be a villain. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to talk about what does the story of Alvin Lee mean to us? Mm -hmm. To me, it's... For some, it's a horror anime that's badass and has a whole bunch of cool scenes. To other people, it's a controversial piece of trash that should have never made out. <laughs> to me, Elfin Lead is a story about a young girl that had tragedy after tragedy happen to her. She was born into a world different, a little different, and because she was a little different, she was treated horrible by humans, 
adults that are meant to be there to care and protect for her and her children that her are meant to basically live with. Mm-hmm. After that, her next lot of life is being captured and tortured and experimented on. And after that, the rest of her story is living with guilt for what she did to someone that she once really loved. She finally, And in the, in the anime, I guess she kind of atones for it, but yeah. not in a very good way. And in the manga, her story only gets harder. Yeah. So if you ask me what Elfin Lead is, it's a story about tragedy. I agree. To me, it's just a show of what society can become, how ugly it is, and basically what happens if you're even a little different. And I do seriously, I think it's realistic, I do seriously think if Diclonius were to exist in real life, don't get me wrong, I understand they're dangerous, but as children, they're not. And I think it's the same thing. Adults would treat them like crap when adults are supposed to be the one protecting you. And if children see the adults treating another child like crap, they're going to be even more ruthless. I think that they would be captured and experimented on. I think they'd be tortured to death. I think it would be a terrible, terrible thing. And I think that speaks volumes for our society and how the world works. And I think that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a story of a little girl that wanted just wanted to be cared about and she ended up being rejected so many times and hurt so many times that she couldn't help but give in to this horrible thing inside of her. Had had it gone differently, maybe she would have just been another Nana. Mm. You don't know. So we're going to break it down to the good, the bad, and the ugly. For me, the good of the story is it's unique, well-written, very emotional, with good reason and not just for the sake of being emotional. Yeah. Controversial, which I like. I like a bit of... I like some hot sauce on my steak. It's not even just controversial, it's realistic. Mm-hmm. That's what And the doing. artwork and music is fantastic. What do you got in the good category? Well, basically the same things you do. The artwork's great. The story is just fantastic. and But the biggest thing for me is the con- controversy. It's... I hate the word controversy because, you know, oh no, it's such a big deal. Well, you know what? Like I said, if Diclonius existed in real life, this is what would happen, probably. The government would grab them. They'd experiment on them, and the ones that were free when they were children would get treated like crap by both adults and children alike. It's realistic. It's not controversial. It's realistic. Um, And I'm tired of things being PC all the time just to make people happy. The bad in this is the weak characters. Koda and Yuka. Koda and Yuka. Especially Yuka. Yeah. At least Koda has an interesting past. I mean, he's a boring character, but at least he had, like, his personality's boring as hell, other than his need to rescue every stray that wanders off. But his background's interesting. Yuka has kind of nothing. Yuka is, oh, girl said hello to Koda. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Fuck me, that bitch is annoying. And she's like, is it selfish what I'm doing? Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Like, can you just find a corner and die in or something? Every Jesus little, Christ. Every little thing that Kota and you did together, New instigated. Mm-hmm. And he tried to tell her that, but he, even though she knew what New was like, she didn't listen. Because jealousy bitch. took over. I fucking hate you, because she's the worst character in the series. She's and just I don't not mean very because well I don't mean worst in a good way that she's written that way. She's just a badly written and badly designed and badly... Everything. She's just bad. <laughs> But that isn't even the ugly. The ugly... The English voice acting for this anime. We've watched it in both Japanese and English, so it's not like we've watched one and we're just 
Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Some of the characters in the English, like Lucy, are really good. Oh, no. She just killed a person. (laughs) That's basically what it is. Kota was... Eh, Kota was okay, but No, Kota was awful. He had no emotion whatsoever. Yeah, there was no emotion, but the one that really bothered me was Yuka. See? Yuka sucked even more in English. Yuka's Japanese voice actor was okay, like... But the character was bad. It's but like, the voice actor was all right. Yeah, English. The English voice actors are like, all right, Yuka sucks. Let's give her. Let's give her a shit voice actor too. Yeah. So we don't like. So the bad, like the so the ugly for this is the English voice actor. When we went to rewatch it to do this show, I begged Stephen, "Can we please watch it in Japanese? Because I cannot do this in English again." Yeah. I know I speak Japanese and that I would usually rather pick the Japanese voice acting, but at the same time, I'm not going to turn down an English voice acting if that's all there is. But Elfin Lied is the one thing I can think of off the top of my head where the Japanese, the English voice acting is so bad, I would rather spend two days trying to find the Japanese version than go through through finding doing the English one again. I just I couldn't do it. So you guys got a few minutes if you want to call in at seven six zero five one two seven two four seven or the number listed in the uh little screen that you have going on over there. Or if anyone in the chat has anything to say. Yeah if you guys want to voice your opinions I'll read them out on air for the on demand all the listeners. And whilst they voice they get that back from you guys, I'm going to mention to you to check out PastelBunBun.com, your one-stop for everything kawaii. All items are 100% cute and original, so give them a like on Facebook. They are great, and I'm not just blowing smoke up uh, smoke up your ass. I got Jonna some awesome gifts, and she loves them. I love them. You love them so I love much. Them. Yep. If you say so. I do love them, but I'm not sure about love. <laughs> Alright, so um, we're just going to take a moment to play this for you guys. Hey, 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 Dace Tattoo Nation, it is I, Chris, the Dace Man Dace, host of the Dace Man Show, checking in with you guys to let you know of a new podcast debuting April 13th called For Real Movie Club here on Mega Powers Radio. Join me for the month of April as I moderate a panel of four movie buffs as we discuss Mel Brooks' film. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's April 13th. Tune your radios to Mega Powers Radio, and ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. Yeah, you guys make sure to check out uh, the Dace Man. In case you didn't realize, you mentioned the word Dace many times. Many times. <laughs> yeah, Dace is awesome. So um, at first, I thought you were gonna play Time Cow. Why to ruin it? <laughs> God. <laughs> so I see Steve Griffith typing, uh, but we're gonna start hanging up to um, wrapping things up here. So uh, to let you guys know what I've got going on, and. Do you think the pink hair of the Diclonius is symbolic or just purely cosmetic to separate them from normal humans? I think it's just cosmetic. They never really... (laughs) I think it's cosmetic too. They never really go into it being... I never see any symbolism. If it's there, it'd be in the manga. I've not seen it in the uh, anime and I had symbolism rammed into my head over and over in English 10-1. I think the reason for that is... They want to make them as cute as possible, yeah. and adorable as possible, and girly as possible. For when they rip people apart, mm-hmm. it seems more psychotic. And also, this seems to be one of those anime where the characters don't have freakishly strange hair. The normal human characters have normal hair colors. And just for everyone to know if I didn't mention it, that was Steve Griffith who posted that question. Yes. 
Um, most of them, they have brown hair, black hair, blonde hair, you know, normal hair colors, unlike a lot of animes where pink and purple and blue are normal. In this one, human beings have normal colored hair, while Diclonius have a bright pink hair. I think it's to set them apart, and like you said, to make them cute as po probably on the writer's perspective, to make them cute as possible for when they rip you limb from limb. <laughs> that's probably my, that's my opinion on that one, but I think more than anything, it's cosmetic. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you guys for participating. We enjoyed having you. Uh, we're going to move on to some plugs here. I know Jana has a Tumblr account if you want to shout that out and get some followers. Um, I just run a Tumblr for my everyday life, really. It's nothing interesting. I also run it for people that are chronically ill or in chronic pain. Uh, my name on there is Zebra in Central Park. So that's zebraincentralpark.tumblr.com. All right, for me, my personal projects, you can catch me at facebook.com slash stevenwago. Give that a like and get updated on all my projects. Twitter handle is at stevewago. Um, right, for my Tumblr, it is stevenwago.tumblr.com. I've just launched that, so I'm getting used to saying it. <laughs> and, of course, if you guys are listening in for the first time, check out facebook.com slash addictedanimefans, which is the official URL for Addicted to Anime. You get all the updates and join our little growing community as we creep up closer and closer and closer to 2,000 likes. So uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Word of mouth is the best way to... Um, get the show on the road and also check out mega powers radio if you're a pro wrestling fan we have a whole bunch of content you'll like especially the live shows we go off air from monday night roar and give our thoughts and review live and we always have a whole bunch of callers and a lot of fun going on so make sure you check that out again check out pastelbunbun.com and i think we are just about out of time out of time Kyle, ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to addicted to Africa. Bye bye. Bye bye.